Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by WE Local Europe keynote, Dr. Sue Black, OBE. Named in the list of Top 50 Women in Tech in Europe and winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Lovey Awards 2018, Sue is one of the leading tech personalities in the UK today. Sue is a passionate advocate for women in tech and has spent the last 20 years campaigning for more recognition and support for women in computing. Sue's an academic with 20 plus years experience with over 40 publications and a PhD in software engineering to her name, and recently joined Durham University as a professor of computer science. Thanks for joining us today, Sue. Thanks for having me, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Before we get into talking about your career and how you got into all of that, I, I would love if you could just share with our audience, what, is, what does the designation OBE mean? <laughs> well, it's um, Officer of the Order of the British Empire. So um, the Queen and the Royal Family have a series of medals that they give out twice a year. So on the Queen's birthday in June and uh, on the 1st of January. So there's New Year's honours and birthday honours each year. And um, they uh, give out these medals to people that have done various different things for the country, I guess. So I got my OBE for services to technology. Um, and uh, it means that I, I went to Buckingham Palace and uh, there was a, a sort of big ceremony in the ballroom there where Prince Charles pinned uh, my OBE medal onto my uh, jacket and... Uh, along with, I think, about 150 other people uh, one day about five years ago. <laughs> that sounds like quite the honor. That's that's exciting. Um, so, so to get into the, the meat of where we're going, uh, could you tell us what initially drew you toward the world of computers and computer science? Sure. Well, I, I guess I've always been quite geeky, even though I didn't realize that I was at the time. So, you know, going back to when I was at, at primary school, all through school, really, maths was my favorite subject. And um, I think that, well, so I mean, I left school at 16 and then ended up going back into education when I think I was 26, so 10 years later, having worked uh, and had three children kind of along the way, and uh, went back into education at 26. And then I was, well, I'd ended up a, a, a single parent by then with three small kids and I thought about uh, trying to go to work to earn money for the family, but realized that actually um, I'd left school at 16 with not many qualifications, so I wouldn't really be able to get a job where I'd earn enough money to support the family. So I then thought about going back into education and decided to go along to the local college, so like community college, 
and uh, I found a maths course there, which was a fast track maths course. So that was me kind of back into to maths again in education. And then as part of that, the last term, we did some coding, which I really enjoyed in basic. Um, and I didn't quite understand it. So I was quite intrigued by it, um, but uh, I did enjoy it. And then uh, with the equivalent of uh, uh, two A-levels in maths, um, that meant I could apply to university. And so I could apply to either do maths or computing at uni. And I'd got excited about the coding I'd done. I, I was very excited about technology in general. And, um, you know, I thought, actually, I need to earn money. And at that time, I don't know if it was true or not, but I thought I'd earn more money working in computing than I would uh, with a maths degree. Um, and so chose computer science as my degree, I guess. So that's how I got in. Oh, wow. That's that's really interesting. Um, math was also my favorite subject um, in primary school. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of have a similar experience how I got there, except for without a little bit of the, um, uh, I guess, break and coming back. So yeah. um, can you can you expand on that? It, it sounds like your educational journey wasn't super easy. Um, no, I, not at all. Yeah. So, so I mean, unfortunately, what happened in my family was that my mum died when I was 12 and then my dad remarried, possibly not to the right person because it went from for me from like living in a functional family to living in a dysfunctional family and so i just wanted to leave home from when i was about 14 really and then i managed to leave home at 16 um and i tried to stay on at school but i just found it impossible because i was working part time and going to school and and then falling asleep at school because i wasn't getting enough uh sleep at night so just staying in education at 16 wasn't really viable you know i had to to go and get a job so I worked for several years and then got married at 20 um, and then had my first daughter when I was 21. And then I thought, well, I'll have another baby. Then I'll go back to work. Um, but that other baby turned out to be twin boys. Um, oh my so goodness. then, yeah, at the age of 23, I had three children under three. And then unfortunately, about a year after that, my marriage broke down. So we had to uh, run away one morning to a women's refuge. Um, my ex-husband, uh, threatened to kill us all. So I just thought, okay, we're going. Uh, so we lived in a women's refuge for six months. And then it was that I, you know, kind of had to start life again with them, with the three kids, um, on a, a council estate, um, in, uh, inner city London. Um, so then we, we got, we got a flat there and, uh, an apartment and then, yeah. And then it was that I just thought, well, I need to, I need to earn some money. So thought about working, realized I couldn't really do that, and then went into education from there, really. Wow, that is quite the story, and it uh, sounds <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like you have turned some adversity into some serious success after reading your bio. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let's, let's figure out a little bit more how you got there. What was your first professional move after obtaining your degree, and, and how has your career or career pathway evolved over time since then? Sure. Well, so I, yeah, so I did my degree in computing, which was, I mean, I loved it, but it was really hard, particularly at first because, you know, I wasn't used to being full-time at uni with three small children. And, you know, I'd take the kids to school, drop them off at 9am and then get to uni at, at 10 and then leave uni at two to go and pick the children up at three. So I only really had four hours a day um, where I could attend lectures and any lectures outside of that and lectures run from nine till six. So I, I you know, I missed everything outside of that. Um, so right at the beginning, particularly it was quite hard, but I did, you know, I kind of loved it, but it was very difficult. Um, and I did go into my like personal um, tutor several times crying saying, I can't cope, I can't cope. And he'd always persuade me to stay, 
you know, because I was probably behind with some work that I had to give in. And um, yeah, so luckily he persuaded me to stay. And as time went on, I did a four year degree. Things got a bit easier and a bit easier. Children got older. Um, and then in the final year of my degree, I was having a meeting with my dissertation supervisor. And as part of the meeting, he said to me, what do you think about doing a PhD? So I said, oh, I'd love to do a PhD. But what I didn't tell him was I didn't know what a PhD was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to kind of pretend. Uh, I knew it was something academic and I knew it was kind of good. But I, apart from that, I had absolutely no idea what a PhD was. So, um, uh, you know, I'm like the first person to go to uni. My parents left school at 16. So, um, I, you know, I went over to the library, this is in the old days, like 30 years ago or something, and looked up um, what is a PhD and then thought, oh, yeah, actually, I would like to do a PhD. And it, it had a stipend, right? So I would get paid to do it. So I applied for that position, got that position um, and did uh, a PhD then in software engineering, which took me seven years uh, in total, because even though it was kind of full time, I was having to work as well at the same time, um, mainly teaching. Um, but as I went through, so, you know, I never had the chance to kind of like fully devote myself uh, to just working on my PhD. But, you know, I just uh, I kind of, you know, I sort of I'm just remembering now losing heart a bit going through it because, you know, PhDs were funded for three years. And after three years, I hadn't finished and other people were finishing that started the same time as me. And then, you know, then people that started out the PhDs after me, then they, you know, they were finishing and I still hadn't finished. And uh, it got to like the Christmas break um, after six and a half years. And uh, I just kind of decided over that break, okay, I've got to finish it now or I'm just never going to finish it. So I worked like every minute that I had between that Christmas and July that year and managed to finish everything and write it all up and submit it. Had my Viva in the September and passed. So I was like, phew, finally, (laughs) (laughs) I did it. Yeah. And wow. so then I, yeah, after that, or during that time, actually, I got a full-time lectureship. So I, I was finishing my PhD part-time properly, um, worked as a lecturer and then applied for um, promotion anytime I could really. So then a senior lecturer, principal lecturer. So they're like associate, pro, uh, assistant prof, associate prof, um, right, right. and in the U S, um, and then, uh, moved to another university or applied to another university and got a job as head of department. Um, several years later, I think that was 2006, I think so five years after I finished my PhD, um, I got a job as head of department at another uni, worked there for four years, then decided to um, take a step out of full-time academia for a bit, wrote a book, set up a social enterprise, uh, tech mums, teaching mums tech skills, um, did various other things. And then two years ago, uh, joined Durham University as professor of computer science and technology evangelist. Well, that is a long list of awesome things. Um, <laughs> you just mentioned it, that you are, among many other things, the founder of Tech Mums, a social enterprise, yeah. which is, empowers mums and their families through technology. Can you tell yeah. us more about Tech Mums and how it works? Sure. So I think it was, must be 2011, 2012. I, I kind of, I kept seeing in the media loads of really negative things about technology. Like every story that mentioned technology was negative. And to me, technology and education have just massively changed my life and my life chances. You know, if I hadn't gone into computer science um, and had the career that I've had, where on earth would I be now? I really don't know. And so, you know, those two things together, tech and education, have not only changed my life, but of course they've enabled me to earn 
earn money to have a good salary, a good job, which has then in turn, of course, affected my children. And, um, you know, and, and now, you know, I've got four children and five, I have to remember five grandchildren, another one on the way, another one due in um, May. So, you know, and I can really see looking back now how the decisions that I've made have, you know, have enabled my children to have a good life where we had enough money eventually, not when they were really small, but eventually, you know, we had enough money. So I was able to pay for, I don't know, well, you know, pay the bills, pay for food, um, which at some points uh, early on, I, I wasn't able to do. So, you know, that can make such a massive difference. Um, you know, and now I can see the kind of the ripple effect down the generations of, um, you know, just even being able to earn enough money so that we didn't have to worry about money. Take Mums came about in uh, around 2012, because I was seeing all these negative stories about um, about uh, technology in the press. And it just annoyed me, really. And I just thought, well, technology and education have completely changed my life, my family's life, our life chances. And um, I want more mums, really, or more families, more kids to understand the benefits of, of understanding what opportunities are out there in technology. And actually, what I started doing was focusing on kids. So also in the UK, the education minister back in 2012 was saying that Computing is too difficult for anyone under the age of 14. And I thought, well, that's not true. <laughs> um, but at that time, there, there wasn't much computing in schools, if anything. I don't think there's anything much in primary schools. Um, so, you know, kind of uh, uh, up to age 11, I don't think there was anything. And so I thought, well, I'm sure kids can do tech. Um, and, I, you know, I think that um, lots of people could be doing a lot more than they, they know that they can at the moment started running workshops with seven-year-old kids doing stuff like app design and coding in Python um, with Raspberry Pis. And, you know, the kids loved it. The kids absolutely loved it. So thank goodness. I thought they would, and they did. Um, and then we got the parents in at the end of the day to have a go at what the kids were doing. And, um, and you know, so I'd say at the end of the day, so, you know, like um, parents, now it's your opportunity to, to have a look at what your kids have been doing and have a go. And I encouraged them to to um, to look at what the kids were doing and join in and notice that in general. So not everybody, but in general, the dads just kind of like stepped forward and were like, yes, what you know, what have you been doing? And just the look of apprehension on some of the mum's faces just triggered a thought in my head. You know, they were obviously very apprehensive about doing something like that. And it just made me think, well, maybe if I want to really help to enable more people to be positive about technology, realize what opportunities are out there, then why don't I start with mums? If I can get mums on board with technology, then, you know, that won't just um, influence and uh, make a difference to the mums. It will make a difference to the whole family um, with mums as the kind of like key influencers within the family, really. Uh, so I put together a program, called it Tech Mums, and started running it at a, a school in inner city London, uh, with some mums and we just had great success straight away really um, lots of the mums said it changed their life um, and we were just uh, the workshop at the beginning sorry the program at the beginning was um, just 10 hours so two hours a week for five weeks having a go at like basic web design basic app design basic coding uh, social media how to keep your kids safe online that kind of stuff and we could see the mums going through the program um, we just came out the other end so much more confident in general uh, than they were when they started and also more positive about their ability to use technology in whatever way they wanted to. 
Um, and so Tech Mums is is still running now. Well, actually, it's it, now that we're in lockdown, is actually we're not going into classrooms now because, of course, we can't. Um, but uh, Tech Mums as an enterprise is is still going and uh, still getting out to mums. And you know, one of the nicest things in my life now is I get to go to Tech Mums graduation. So when when our mums graduate at the end of the program, um, I love going along and and meeting them and seeing how the um, you know, how just learning basic tech stuff has, has changed their life. That's fantastic. So clearly <laughs> from these stories, you're a bit of a radical thinker and a social entrepreneur. So how have you utilized tech, including social media, to create change in your world? Well, so I mean, in various ways. So I absolutely love social media. It's just completely changed my life. And um, so back in 20, uh, uh, which date is it? Back in, back in about 2008, um, when I was head of department, I went up to um, a place, I don't know if everyone knows, it, a place called Bletchley Park in the UK where the code breakers were during the Second World War. And so if you've seen the film, The Imitation Game, uh, with uh, Alan Turing, or Benedict Cumberbatch as Alan Turing, um, uh, cracking the codes at Bletchley Park, you all know what I'm talking about. So I found out that the museum there, so the site, Second World War site is now a museum and was then a museum. Um, and the director of uh, the museum was saying that they may have to close. And I'd um, I'd run an oral history project for the to capture the memories of the women that worked at Bletchley Park. And um, at, then at the launch of that in 2008, I found out that Bletchley Park might have to close. And then I went up to a reception there and did a full tour of the site. So it's a 26 acre site with like loads of code breaking huts and a big mansion house and a lake and stuff. And I uh, did a full tour of the site and found out that the work that was done there was said to have shortened World War II by two years. And at that time, 11 million people a year were dying. And, um, you know, I just stood there thinking, so this place might have to close. That's that's terrible. I've got to do something about it. So I started a campaign to save Bletchley Park and first of all used uh, traditional media, you know, like going to um, to journalists, BBC journalists and stuff, trying to get on TV. Um, but then after a few months, uh, really, well, actually I was sat next to someone at a conference who was using Twitter and I'd signed up for it in 2007 and just thought, what is this rubbish? I, ju I just couldn't work out what to do with it. Um, but it wasn't until I was sat next to someone who was actively using it in a positive way that it suddenly dawned on me, oh my goodness, I can use this for campaigning. And so he showed me what he was doing and, um, you know, and I just realized, I, you know, I had one of those aha moments when I realized I could just type Bletchley Park into the search box in Twitter and I can find everyone in the world that's already talking about Bletchley Park and I can connect with them. So that was the beginning of a social media campaign, which then lasted three years until um, we managed to save Bletchley Park. Um, but it's just I've just met the best people through using Twitter and probably over the years now. So from using it since 2008 that's 13 years now um so for using it for that long you know I've got something like 65,000 followers now um and but I've just met probably 200 people that I met first on Twitter and then met in real life afterwards and I've just made friends all over the world from using it I mean I just I absolutely love social media and of course I know that it has a downside um because not everyone is a lovely person um but at the same time, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
But at the same time, it's changed my life in terms of who I've managed to to meet up with, you know, particularly people who aren't in computer science. You know, I've met up with people just from all different backgrounds um, and, you know, have made friends with people from all different backgrounds. And it's really enriched my life. Wow. That's yeah. I, I love that positive um, use of of the tools that we have at hand. Absolutely. Um, you've participated in the BBC Ideas platform, sharing your advice for finding the superhero in yourself. So yeah. pivoting off of that idea, what would you say is your personal superpower? I have some ideas uh-huh. from listening to your stories, but <laughs> Wait, I want to know what you think. <laughs> well, it's, it's always quite hard to tell about yourself. I think, you know, if you ask me about other people that I know, I could probably answer that more easily. Um, I guess as I get older, I kind of see patterns in my behavior. Um, and I suppose just going for things that I think are important, really, and not giving up. I mean, I know that's, that doesn't sound very exciting, but uh, that seems to have worked quite a lot of times in that it's you know helped me to be successful at, at what I've done, really. And those things have always been things that I've cared about. So, you know, I've either got angry <laughs> about something like, what, you know, why should Bletchley Park have to close, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's such an important place. So then just going for it and trying to do whatever I could to to make sure that it didn't have to close or you know we we need everyone to understand that technology can be a positive thing you know I want to empower mums around tech so setting up tech mums and you know I, I guess that's is that a good enough answer I don't know I think so I think you are quite the champion for causes that you believe in and that's awesome yeah um yeah as I briefly okay, well, actually, I can't really stop myself to be honest <laughs> Well, okay, that seems like I've a got pretty that good thing superpower. In my head. <laughs> there you go. I can't stop You're myself You're tenacious and things. you get it done. You make stuff happen. That's awesome. Oh. Um, I briefly mentioned when introducing you that you are one of the keynote speakers for our We Local Europe um, 2021 conference. Can you give yeah. us a little sneak peek, a high-level overview of your, of your talk and what attendees can sure. expect to take away from the keynote? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so... It's called If I Can Do It, So Can You. Uh, so that kind of links directly to what we've just been saying. And and really, it's it's kind of my life, all the things that I've done and learned along the way. So, you know, I've shared some of the details already. And I guess a lot of it is is kind of, you know, overcoming adversity and turning it around uh, to be to be your strength, I guess, or kind of superpower. And, you know, and kind of the, I don't know when it was, but I kind of realized that, we all get difficult times in our lives. And, you know, the people that are successful are the ones that just keep going through the difficult times to get out the other side, kind of like back into the sunshine again. And I think it's very easy to just get stuck in the difficult times and think you'll never be able to get out of it. But all you kind of have to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other until you get back out into into the sunshine. And I guess that's the kind of message that I'm trying to give all the way through my talk. And and so I do that by sharing stories about my life and things that I've done. And um, I guess how I've managed to be successful, you know, and I, I had absolutely no clue that I would be who I am now. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm the same person as I was you know, back then when I was having very difficult times, probably about 30 years ago now, when my, you know, my older kids were little, um, I just would have had no clue that I could be doing the things that I'm doing. You know, I, I just basically wanted to get a degree and get a job that earned me enough money to look after my kids, to pay the rent, to be able to put food on the table. Um, but I've, I've just kind of kept going. And, you know, I wish I'd kind of known earlier on that 
just keeping going is actually a major strength, you know, and and that everyone does get difficult times. It's, it wasn't just me. I thought it was just me having all these difficult things happen. But of course, difficult things are happening to all of us all the time. And uh, yeah, it's, I guess it's about resilience, keeping going and and doing the things that you care about. Absolutely. So that that is a great piece. And maybe you want to just expand a little bit on the how with my my last question here of if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice concerning technology or social change specifically, what would that be? Um, (laughs) I guess, I mean, I think technology is like a, a suite of tools that you can use to make the things that you want to happen, happen. That's how I see tech. And so you know, even though I love technology, what I love most is the way that it connects us all together as people and the fact that it can, it can really, particularly now that we've, you know, we've got the internet, we've got social media, there are so many different ways to connect with people all around the world who we can connect with to solve the problems that we care about. You know, and I'm very excited about how we're going to connect together or, you know, like the right people are going to be able to connect together to solve issues like, you know, like poverty, hunger, uh, and, you know, make the world a better place. That's kind of how I see technology and, and you know, how it can enable all of us to, to live our best lives and, and make the world a better place. How cheesy is that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think, you know, we all need a little more cheese in our lives. Uh, it's, my yeah, fav- okay. it's my favorite food and also one of my favorite feelings, you know, so let's just go with it. Um, Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. This was a truly inspirational story. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more in your keynote at, at our We Local Europe conference. Oh, you're so welcome. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Everyone, I'm Heather Doty. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening.